If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with an acute obsession of true crime, caught discussing tragic events with unwilling participants, or kept awake at night by the paranormal or just plain absurd, you've found the right place. All others, beware of catching this dangerous bug as we begin to talk about the facts. Hello, everyone, again, and welcome back to Let's Talk About the Facts. We are a podcast and talking about unsolved cases, interesting mysteries, and sometimes interesting things. So, again, the usual apology, just in case anything comes out irreverent or crass, as humor is the only way that we get through this bullshit thing we call life, and this is seemingly the only way to get through the beginning of the Screaming Twenties. So, today... Oh, wait. I'm Elizabeth Fury. <laughs> I'm Alex Brown, and I am screaming. On the inside and the outside. Yes. Um, and today with us, we have Vaughn. Hey, hey. Uh, I don't know what's happening, and I'm I'm already terrified, <laughs> but let's just do it. <laughs> yeah. We have brought Vaughn in to basically listen in our episode and give his opinion we felt like he would be great to kind of be a foil for me and alex mm-hmm. so do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself on um yes i am uh in my 30s from dc uh been black my whole life um <laughs> i am a proud ravenclaw and i i think and i don't know I'm in Aries, I guess. I don't know. I like Those long walks all... on the beach. <laughs> Ooh. That's, you know, that's important. I don't like long walks on the beach. It's hot and sandy. I do like long walks on the beach. I so. like short walks, and then I like to go get my dog again, because you can't take your dog on the beach. Wait, Very really? Upsetting. Yeah, it's, like, against the law. I mean, I guess, yeah, in case they, you know, like, do anything. Like poop? Yeah. <laughs> you know, in you one really episode, like I said that. butt probe, and now this time I said poop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but basically, we've had a lot of fun talking about child abductions and old murders and conspiracy theories, but today we're going to dive into police brutality and the horrors of prison. So funny enough, I picked this case back in February, and then Black Lives Matters blew way up and i think that we're just gonna go full steam ahead with this story anyway it's very important and so i asked vaughn to join alex and i as we are neither young males nor black so i think that as this story heavily involves both vaughn's going to be great to give us a perspective that we couldn't do yeah Um, let's do it So I'm going to say buckle it up. If you are a fan of the police and what they've done for you, highly suggest putting that into a mental closet for the next hour or so Mm -hmm. and opening your mind to what has happened to others and listen to the story as it unfolds, as well as what Alex and Vaughn have to say. And me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So this is the wrongful death of Andre Jones. So for your context, we are in 1992. George H.W. Bush is president, but he's about to get booted from office by that Arkansan Bill Clinton. Throwback to our pilot, Arkansas. <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer pleads guilty but insane. He is, however, found sane and guilty of killing 15 boys. 
John Gotti, the mafia boss, goes to jail after being convicted. Mae Jemison, the first black woman to go into space, boards her first flight on the Endeavor, which you can see in person at the California Science Center, and I have seen it, and it's amazing. Ooh. Um, and then Whitney drops her cover of Dolly's I Will Always Love You, which made Dolly just about wreck her car at when she heard it. A queen recognizing a queen, guys. Hey, man. Mm-hmm. I, love me some Whitney. <sighs> I love them both. I die. Uh, but also, there's the infamous Rodney King riot, also known as the Los Angeles riot, over what? Police brutality. What a beautiful, hmm. horrible way to segue into our story. And we figured it out back then in 92, right? We definitely did not. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is solved now. What are you talking about? Yeah, we fixed it. Yeah, oh, good. We fixed that brutality so well, we gave the military grade bullshit. Um, we'll probably end up doing an episode on the Los Angeles riots because I feel like it's been tucked away in history so well. That they're like, oh yeah, people just rioted in Los Angeles for no reason. It was gang mm-hmm. violence. Nope. That's not what happened. <laughs> so, yeah. That's the context for our 1992, what's going on in the country. But we're going to take you down south. Our story takes place on August 22nd, 1992. I was alive. I think you guys were too. I was barely alive. Yeah. I was I was a wee a wee babe. I was a wee babe also. Mm-hmm. I Not was quite. like maybe. Oh, I, I had ninety two four. I was four. Yeah, I was like three. I was not quite one. <laughs> <laughs> so the, we're like the perfect demo to learn this story. It's mm-hmm. very important. Um, so we're in Jackson, Mississippi, the place from Uptown Funk. No. That cannot be the hook. That cannot be our hook. Really? (laughs) You know, Uptown Funk, Bruno Mars. Are you not familiar? That's how I'm going to get our Gen Z listeners. They're going to know it. They're going to be like, oh my God, I know that place. It's in Uptown Funk. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) the history of Mississippi is littered with violence, racism, the KKK, and classism. A direct co- quote from WREG.com, and this is uh, from 2019, May of 2019. Mississippi's worst scores were for healthcare, 50th in the country, economy, 48th in the country, education, 46th in the country, and infrastructure, 45th in the country. <laughs> The highest score was for its natural environment, for which it placed 11th best. Delightful. But then if you flip that, they're like, they're first worst. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, they and that's are an first accolade. worst. Yeah. I really think that they tried really hard to get there. Like, we used to have the saying, so I went to school in Arkansas, and we used to say... I'm sorry. Thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you. We used to have the saying that was like... Thank God for Alabama and Mississippi, because otherwise we'd be 50th. <laughs> Gosh. And I just roasted two states. They're coming for me. But at the same time, come for me. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> um, so they did just change their state flag to get rid of the Confederate flag. I can't believe it took till 2020 to do it. But I'm going to tell you something that's even more disappointing. Are you ready? 
Sure. So something even residents may not know is that Mississippi was the last state to ratify the 13th Amendment. Let me tell you what that is, just in case you're not like a constitutional nerd like I am. So section one, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as punishment for crime, where <laughs> whereof the parties shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Section two. Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. That's pretty simple, right? No. It was ratified by the Mississippi State Legislature in 1995. But it was not sent (laughs) to the U.S. Archivist. Can you do that? Yeah, you can. What? But it wasn't sent to the U.S. Archivist. So that meant slavery was, in all intents and purposes... Legal in Mississippi throughout the 20th century and even into the 21st. Oh my so, God. if that does not make you want to flip a table, here you go. It was finally totally ratified in February of 2013. So, in the United States, we have technically been totally slavery banned for seven years. Thank you, Mississippi. Thank you. And to think we dunk on Florida as much as we do. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry, Florida. We need to we need to switch. No, no, no. Like, like Florida still needs to get it, Mm -hmm, but like mm -hmm. Mississippi also needs to get it. I don't think we should be easing up on Florida. I think we should. We need to be leaning into both. Yeah, yeah. Because like in the South, we always dunk on Mississippi. I think as a a nation, don't forget about Mississippi. (laughs) It's there. It's there. It's ready. But just remember who's in power. So, um, so for further reading about how that happened, there's an excellent quick article from CBSNews.com written by a lovely woman, I assume, named Stephanie Condon, C-O-N-D-O-N. Uh, so you can check that out. But back to Jackson, Mississippi. I have really made this place unlikable, and Jackson is the capital and the largest metropolitan area area it's named after one of our worst presidents the nation has ever had mm-hmm. andrew yeah. jackson yeah. and that's not like an opinion that's just like basic fact yeah, no. yeah. i can't get into the bad the worst and the ethnic cleansing but i will say this yeah. this asshole had a duel with charles fucking dickens before he was president and he got shot and two ribs broken what an oliver twist <laughs> no. Also, though, like <laughs> Charles Dickens, you could have done us a solid back in the day. He like, tried. He fucking tried. He Wanted he, to. Yeah. Oh man, he hated him so much. But I mean, like that would be like Dan Brown dueling Trumpety Bumpety right now. Like, how funny would that be? Dude, hashtag Team Dan. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I don't know. Team Dan standing back there. Tom Hanks cheering him on. Like. This is time. <laughs> the Mickey Mouse watch is just ticking away. <laughs> um, so there's way more to that story. And please go look up how Andrew Jackson is horrible. Something called the Trail of Tears. I don't know. If you haven't heard about it, Google's free. Um, so now that I have thoroughly roasted both Mississippi and Jackson for you, I'd like to take this moment to tell you that I, Elizabeth Fury, officially have renamed Jackson, Mississippi to Jackson, Mississippi in honor of Janet Jackson. No questions. Thank you. We're done here. Oh. 
Good. Yes. Good. <laughs> Done. A good choice. There's no other Jackson that needs it. I considered Marlon, but Janet Jackson. She needs it. Um, okay, so back to our story. So, we're actually going to get into the sadness, but not back to the sadness, because we haven't started there yet. Mm. I think that's going to be my autobiography name. Um, into the sadness? Back to the sadness. Ooh. Because we haven't started there yet. <laughs> that's also just me with depression. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, God. Uh, that hit me. Yeah, it happens. So, all right. Just kidding. Um, am I? August 22nd, 1992. Andre Jones is driving his girlfriend, Tanisha Love, home to Brandon, a smaller town on the outskirts of the city. Andre is 18 years old and about to leave for college, and he is spending as much time with his friends and girlfriends as he can before going off to school. Uh, he plans to go to Alcorn State University and study engineering, and he just spent the summer working as a full-time paid intern for an engineering company local to Jackson. Everything for Andre will change in this innocent drive to take his girlfriend home. So in 1992, Jackson, it's about 500,000 people living in the area, and it's over 75% uh, black population, which puts it second to Detroit in population that has the most uh like centralized black population and 500,000 people and 75 percent black that's incredible honestly um Andre lives with his mother Esther Jones Quinn and his stepfather Charles X Quinn Esther Jones Quinn was the president of Jackson's branch of NAACP and Charles X. Quinn was a Nation of Islam minister. So for the sake of clarity, I'm just going to refer to him as Esther and Charles. And so for those of you who aren't familiar with the Nation of Islam and its teachings, do take the time to research it if you're interested. It is the same Nation of Islam that Malcolm X was involved in before converting to Sunni Islam, but I definitely only have like a small understanding of the complex history and beliefs and don't really have the time or comfort of explaining it here. I don't want to be wrong, and I don't think it has real relevance to Andre's story per se, but it's really worth reading and understanding. So if you don't know what the NAACP is, Google is free. Like, you should know that. That's Love that test. hashtag. Google's free. <laughs> Google's free. Look up. Like, I'm disappointed in you if you don't know what the NAACP is. Who are you? Yeah. Um, I think that's on elementary school tests. Um, so overall... Andre seems like he had a great life and a bright future ahead of him. He was a hardworking and smart young man, and his family is very supportive of, of him, and he had never been in trouble with the law before. So, August 22nd, sometime after midnight, one would think that Andre and Tanisha would pull up to a routine sobriety checkpoint in Brandon and be able to go on their merry way. They had just left his parents' house in Jackson, and he was driving a truck he had borrowed from a friend and had been for about a week. It was a 1991 S10 Chevy. So multiple officers man this checkpoint. And as they pull up, this is when the stories differ wildly. So first I'm going to give you Tanisha's account. Uh, Tanisha remembered him pulling up, and they asked for his license. He didn't have it on him, 
which is really easy to forget, especially because he left his parents' house at midnight to take her home. Maybe he left his wallet on the counter and was like, ah, snap. Um, so he told them that he didn't have it, and they asked for his name. He gave it willingly, and then things changed. Tanisha saw them perk up, and this is a direct quote from her. After they asked him his name, they all went to a little huddle, you know, a football huddle. I don't know what they were talking about because they were talking low. And after that, that's when they came to the truck and asked Andre again, did he have his license? And he said, no, sir, I don't have my license. And they asked him to step out of the truck, and that's when they handcuffed him. They shackled his feet and had him handcuffed at the same time. I didn't understand what was going on. So some points here. It's not illegal to borrow a truck and drive it. That's an insurance situation. I looked up the situation in laws in Mississippi, and here's what I found. Obviously, you can't be arrested without probable cause or evidence. But from what Tanisha says, we have no reason to doubt her as a witness, and there wasn't cause or evidence. Driving without a license in Mississippi is either a misdemeanor, a fine of somewhere between $200 and $500, or jail from two days to six months, but probably regarding your number of offenses, or it's just an infraction that comes with a $250 court fine, and nothing is told to him because he hasn't been arraigned or written a ticket. Um, so that's what Tanisha says happened in that moment. Here's the police's account. Officers. I hate that word. Police's. Uh, now, the police say that when Andre pulled up to the checkpoint, he tossed an item out of the window, which they later determined to be a .38 caliber pistol. They also found an open beer Wait, can. Wait, what? Yep. <laughs> sure, Jay. Already? It's all... Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's we what we're doing from... today. Cool. So they're like, oh, Thank you. He got, he got pulled over, and then he just threw a gun out the window. You know. <laughs> Those cost money. But also, like... It's, like it's a McDonald's wrapper. Like, when you... <laughs> McDonald's no. rapper. <laughs> Jesus. Um, they also found an open beer can inside the vehicle. Additionally, Andre was found to be driving a stolen vehicle, one he had claimed to be borrowing from a friend. Commissioner Jim Ingram disagreed with Tanisha altogether. He said Andre was very cooperative with the police, allegedly admitting to being a part of a gang and allowed himself what? to be photographed with hand gestures as he explained what they meant. What? So, no. So, okay. I just want to piece it together as we're, sorry to interrupt. No, no it's great. Um, so the police are saying this guy comes up to this stop is like, oh snap, police tosses his gun out the window the police stop him. He tells them, hey, I'm a part of a gang. Want to see some signs? And, like, walks them through, like, an ASL, like, gang, gang sign And he's like, please tutorial. take pictures. Catalog Allegedly. This. Allegedly. Okay. <laughs> so these are wildly different. Yeah. <laughs> That's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> and none of this comes up in Tanisha's account. So, right. just so you know. The police have not released any of those photos under any circumstance. Unsolved Mysteries reached out to them. They did not release them. They were not released in any law um, lawsuit. They were not released under like any single circumstance because his parents do not believe he was in a gang or that there are any photos. Right. Neither does Elizabeth. 
Yeah. Because like or Vaughn. Yeah. Alex. <laughs> because and okay, so let's say he was in some gang. He what? Snitches get stitches. Like I, what? Why? What would the motivation you. be? Right. Like, you get pulled over, and he's like, "I'm in a gang." <laughs> like what? Here's some signs. Like no, that just no, makes, that makes no sense. This is more of like to the cops. The redneck here's your sign. Jesus. Um. So okay, we're gonna go through the time of events now. Buckle up. Mm-hmm. So that was around midnight, around one a.m. Andre's arrested and taken in on suspicion of illegal acts. Truth be told, he was just a young black man driving, and they were framing him. That's what Elizabeth says. If any of those grounds were true, where was the corroborating witness to have seen him throw something out the car? Um, like Especially so- a gun. A like- gun? Like, can you present the beer can taken from his truck? Who did the truck really belong to? Can I see this gun? Does it have his fingerprints on it? Does it have, is there a beer can with his fingerprints on it? None of this exists. So this Mm -hmm. is all just hearsay from cops who are corroborating themselves. There was no car behind them with a witness, but there were cars behind them because they were at a security checkpoint. So is it, is the illegal activities or whatever is that that they think he stole a car or that he's in a gang hold that thought they don't know yet go ahead (laughs) no 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 i'm saying hold that thought for a reason trust me all right the wild activities that are about to happen are just gonna get worse so around 1 30 a.m andre's parents receive a call from tanisha telling them andre has been arrested she doesn't know what for so remember she's there Mm-hmm. She sees him get arrested. They don't tell him what for. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna go through like the whole list, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna say a couple things. But like you know, mm, mm. so around 2 a.m., Andre finally is able to contact his parents. He calls from the Brandon police station, and he is terrified. He doesn't know what he's being charged for, and he doesn't know what's going to happen to him. There's three more calls made to his parents over the next several hours. The last call, the fifth and final, was around 4 a.m. Andre notified that he was being moved to Simpson County Jail, which is 40 miles south of Jackson in Mendenhall. Why, you ask? Brandon was full. That little checkpoint seemed to be too good of a job, because I wonder how many of those people walked how many fake charges were put on people just going about their lives. And Simpson was known for being very dangerous. And Andre was just a good kid and only 18 years old. What? Why, why are we sending him there? Hmm. 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 Yeah, for like, what? Like he, for and what? we still don't like- know why or what he's allegedly done. Yeah, we don't. Because for this 4 a.m. call... Andre told his parents he still had no idea what he was being charged with, and he wasn't going to find out until Monday when his arraignment was scheduled. He has a right what? to an attorney at yeah, that that's point. That's not how this works. It is all. not how this works. So I don't see how this is a is not a clear violation of Andre's Fourth Amendment right. So for again, all of you non constitutional nerds out there, the Fourth Amendment grants you the right to. Uh, It's the right of the people 
to be secure in their persons, house, papers, effects, and against unreasonable searches and seizures, and shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched, and the persons or things to be seized. So there's no warrant. There was no gun with his fingerprints. There was no can with his fingerprints. There was nothing that actually linked him for a reason to be arrested. They couldn't tell if this was a stolen truck by him just pulling up. No one ran his plates. You can't get the VIN that fast. Like, you have to, like, open the door. Like, right. you can't do that. You backtracked. So it's a case of habeas corpus then. He was unlawfully detained. So regardless of what happens from that point forward, the police are 100% responsible for whatever happens to him. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't tell him what he was being charged for. They didn't do anything to, like, I don't even know if they read him his rights at Probably this point. Not. I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? And this 18-year-old boy probably does not know that he has the right to be like why am i being arrested why am i being arrested why am i being arrested and to make like and to call a lawyer at that point then again mississippi is known for this like if you watch the movie just mercy which highly recommend excellent movie i cried so ugly in the theater my shirt was wet um it's all about i believe it is mississippi like this lawyer who goes down to help men on death row who don't belong there Hmm. and it's basically because they were framed because the police wanted quick fixes to problems yeah the uh, the da wanted to like clean up a bunch of cases and stuff i I watched it um about a month ago Uh, i was back in dc i saw it with my mom it's yeah it, it even as you started telling this story it made me think of uh just mercy I loved that movie so much and I could talk about it forever. I saw it in theaters and like my shirt was just soaked because I was bawling and I, this feels like that, but just mercy. Those were men on death row. This is just a young kid. And I'm sorry. Like I know 18 is a bit old to be calling someone a kid, but he is a kid. He doesn't know his rights. He doesn't know like, how to stand up for himself in this situation. He is terrified of law enforcement, as most kids are. Um, He doesn't know that he can do certain things. Like, the police are intimidating him. Um, So it's insane. He has to go with what they're doing. Otherwise, he's going to get the shit beat out of him. So we'll find out what happens next. So I first saw this case on Unsolved Mysteries. Season 6, episode 14 of the OG Robert Stack editions. Also season 7 of Dennis Farina. We don't talk about the new ones. Um, <laughs> we will one day. Just not today. Yeah. Um, we'll do like a spotlight on the new Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> uh, but this story has stuck with me for like 15 years. This one particular story. Because it's, it's going to get worse. <laughs> and you're going to hate it. But... Like, right at this point, we're sitting here with him, and you're like, you have violated his rights, and how did you know it wasn't Tanisha's can, or it wasn't empty, or it wasn't her gun, or how can you connect this gun that you just happened to find 
at midnight in a field. Right. Mm-hmm. If it was so easily tossed out of the window, allegedly, there's so much that's just unsubstantiated about this case when someone's constitutional rights are violated. Where do we draw the line here? Like, white cops clearly singled out this young black man. And when will we get this, like, this part of the case to the top? Not even what happens after. Like, that part is really the core issue. Is he was stopped and accused of something he clearly could not have done. Right. Mm -hmm. Because at this point, no matter what, it's the cop fault. The cops did this to him. They singled him out, and it seems like a sport. Mm-hmm. Can we go back, like, two seconds? Of course. The So the gun yes. was... When was the gun presented? That's the thing. Um, as far as I'm aware, it was after he was already taken into custody. Oh, my God. And okay. they were like, we found the gun that you threw out the window. It's like, what gun? Oh, my <laughs> like, God. There was never a gun, but okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, to feel like the entire world is closing in on you when you were just taking your girlfriend home. Yeah. After spending the evening with your parents. Like, that is the most tame thing you could have been doing. Right. But, again, you know what? No, I'm going to get to that in a minute. So, all of Saturday, the day of August 22nd, because, you know, this happened very, very early in the morning. Mm -hmm. After his family was told not to come to the jail, they are terrified for Andre. He was supposed to leave for school in a few days, and he's sitting in a jail cell for apparently no reason. Mm -hmm. So the next morning, Sunday, a police officer arrives at the door and knocks. Esther answers. He hands her a scrap of paper, and it has a phone number. And this is the quote from Esther. It only had a phone number from the Simpson County Jail. There was not a note. There was not a message. It was only a number. I was informed that Andre had committed suicide. I was casually informed, as if they could have been talking to someone that didn't even know who he was. What? Which is disgusting. This is how you tell the mother that her boy, her precious baby boy that she raised, she taught, she mentored, she was about to see go to college. That's how you tell her that he's dead. The first time, or the last time she saw him, he was taking his girlfriend home And then the police got involved. And then there's this big mystery about why people don't like police. Is it a mystery? Andre had no history of depression or mental illness. Of course, this is 1992 and could have been easily overlooked or perhaps he was a stable, well-adjusted young man. But I can understand what his family means when they say they don't believe he took his own life. That makes absolutely no sense, not when he had everything to look forward to. They knew him to have a good head on his shoulders, but also there had been no outward signs of depression or suicidal thoughts. So his stepfather said, the motive could have been several issues, but we know he didn't commit suicide. And I have to hand it to Charles X. Quinn because he does really stand up for Andre as a stepfather, and he goes to bat for him time and time again, and I truly felt like through all of the reading and listening and watching I did, because I in Unsolved Mysteries, you get to see him speak. And he really did love and care for his stepson. And that had to be a hell of a blow for him. Both Esther and Charles do not let this go. And they are at powerhouse and demanding answers. 
So I'm going to let you guys like sit with that for a second. Thoughts? <laughs> that was a pretty big blow to the story. Um, I So I, I spent the last, I don't know, three, four minutes just with my mouth agape. Like, mm-hmm. I'm... It's so clear that they, they're not even really trying to make it make sense. No. Like it, nothing lines up with anything else. And they're, and even just how flippant they were with delivering the news to his mother. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's disgusting. I, I can't believe they, they did that. Like how, how someone could live with themselves after doing that. I don't know. I truly don't. Because I think the other thing, too, that sticks out to me, this being um, in the South, is I think about, like, country music, right? And I think about Mm -hmm. the, the content and the stuff that gets talked about. And, like, what better setup for a country music song than, like, Oh, I like I took my girl and drove her, you know, down the road back to her place, and you know, I love this woman, and you know, all just that that mm-hmm. lovey dovey stuff. Like, a white guy gets to sing about that, and that gets to be, you know, his reality. But a black a black kid doesn't get that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, God, that just hits hard, you know. <laughs> yeah, it just I just I don't know. It's just so hard to find the words. I mean, just, I just don't understand how people can be so just, like, monstrous. Like, there's not really a better word. Like, this is, these are things that were carried out by just really horrible, like, monsters. Like, they're not even people anymore. And the crazy thing, I think, regarding these monster-type people is if you live in the South, they are your neighbors. They're the people mm-hmm. you go to church with. They're the people who raise you. They're the people who make decisions politically. They're the people who get to decide, you know, what gets built where. They're the ones who decide what funds go where. And they're the same people who are doing this. And that's what I think is the most insidious part of Southern culture. So, moving on, we're going to just take a little skippity-doo into the next part that is so fun. Uh, so, Dr. Stephen Hain. Let's put that name in our brains because we're going to hate him. Okay. Just prepare. Just prepare. <laughs> <laughs> At As least if there wasn't already enough to hate in this thing don't this worry, is awful keep going like, yeah <laughs> there's some good people to like don't worry i'm gonna tell you who to love but okay. i love to tell you who to hate <laughs> dr stephen hayne fuck him fuck him <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're at he's the forensic pathologist mm. who conducted way too many autopsies more on that later um oh. he performed the autopsy of andre jones he found marks on Andre's neck consisted with hanging and no apparent signs of bruising on his neck or other parts of his body, which indicated no struggle took place. Hain then ruled the death a suicide and washed his hands of it. 
Or so he thought. So there's immediate outcry. Remember, I haven't told you how he died yet. Right. Um, Andre's family needed to know how he went from driving his girlfriend home to arrested to hanging in a neighboring jailhouse. It seems I've left out some details here. Let's Wait, was get it, to him. Sorry, it was the Simpson prison, yes. right? That Correct. He, so he like wasn't even in his hometown anymore. Nope. He Not wasn't even close. He was 40 miles he away. 40 miles away. Yeah. Okay. So he went to Brandon to drop his girlfriend off. He gets arrested right. at Brandon. Brandon's too full, so he gets shipped down to Simpson, which is noticed, like known to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then he dies. Okay. Um... So, allegedly, Andre was charged with four crimes that night. Four crimes? Four? He what was... The? Yeah, they're amazing. Jesus. Driving a truck with an altered VIN, possession of a stolen license plate, carrying a concealed weapon, and driving with an open container of alcohol. I don't even know where to begin with this, but, what? like, what happened to driving without a license? That was That was one of them. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, if you're going to charge him with anything, at least make it accurate. Right. Because um, none of the other four made any sense. If he borrowed the truck, he would not have known that the VIN was altered. That's not possible to know. Right. Like, you, like, hand the keys to someone and you're like, here's my Toyota RAV4. By the way, the VIN is altered. So <laughs> if you get don't pulled get over. Don't get pulled over. Don't tell the cops that I changed the VIN. <laughs> I have never in my life had a, well, I was going to say had a cop check my VIN. But, I mean, I have been pulled over before. I've been pulled over many times. Me oh. Too. Well, in the South, I've been pulled over. And... They've never checked my VIN. They ran my plates, which were mine. And they were like, okay, moving on. And didn't give a shit. Like, they had to dig to find that out. Even if it's not, like, is it true? Probably not. No, because I don't have any evidence of a witness coming forward saying, that's my truck. So, like, help. Um... So Andre himself did not say any of this, and neither did Tanisha. She was there when he got those handcuffs and mm-hmm. ankle cuffs. Um, and when they were allegedly taking the gang sign pictures <laughs> and the gang angle was dropped? Yeah, that's when the class was. Can we call that the gangle? The gangle? The gangle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so the gangle was dropped. Yeah. Wow. He, he would have been made aware of said charges upon arresting or, like, close to, right? But no. So, the Simpson County Jail was ruled by L- Sheriff Lloyd Jones, who I feel like looks like Lord Farquaad. Didn't look up a picture. I don't want to. I want him to look like Lord Farquaad. <laughs> That's just the image. That's what we have. Also, yep. fuck him, too. <laughs> no, exactly. That's, yeah. like, yeah. There's a real, there's a, there's a reason that Lord Farquaad sounds like Lord Fuckwad. Like. Yep. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it just blew Alex's you mind. Did. That oh. just happened for you? Congrats. It, wow. It did. <laughs> she was today years old. I was today years old. Oh. Ooh. So he was a feared white officer, and he had been nicknamed Goon Jones. Like he was a singular goon of the Goonies. But no one liked him. Whoa. Unless he was white. 
yeah, so he was involved in several, like, white power civil rights type things in Mississippi. Um, so the 1962 riots at the University of Mississippi and the Jackson State University shootings in 1970, he eventually dies in the police shooting. And I kind of figured that's, like, how he wanted to go out. Like, all, he's involved in all these shootings, and he's a pretty awful person. So, like, I'm going to throw it down. I figured out he went out the way he wanted to. <laughs> um So Esther and Charles were rightfully afraid that Andre had been targeted because of their careers and involvement in racial matters. Sheriff Jones put those worries right to bed by stating, should I put this in my voice? I'm going to put this in my voice. Mm -hmm. I've been sheriff a little over 17 years, and this is the first death I've ever had in this jail. I don't care who's in the jail. We don't ask. Are your parents NAACP members or do they work for the church? That's none of our business. So reassuring. Okay, so there's like a lot to unpack there. I like. <laughs> <laughs> so much to unpack. One, is it really the first death he's ever had That's in that what, jail? Okay, thank he's you. in 17 years. Thank you. He says. In 17 years, sir, Please. you were in a jail. Like, this is not. This is Somebody not probably died while you spoke. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not. Jails are not, like, nice you're, places to be. And uh, your jail lives long lives. is known for being dangerous. I'm going to throw yeah. it out there. Use a liar. Right. <laughs> First death in 17 years. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, and you then know what? he's like, you know, family politics has nothing to do with it. Nothing at all. No, it's just because, you know, you're not white. Also, how are you going to be like, I don't care who's in my jail. I don't even know their names. Sir, you run the jail. <laughs> it's literally Your job, job. is Your to know job. who's in the freaking jail. <laughs> like, wh what? Like, you have, like, a managerial position. You don't, like, it's like you walk into Ralph's and you, like, f the manager is not like, I don't really know who works here. Like, is that Sean? Uh, who knows? Maybe it's Bill. What like, if it what? was, like, a bank and you're like, I don't know who works here. I think that's Terrence. And you see yeah, Terrence like, just, like, putting money in his backpack, like, I might work here. I don't know. <laughs> but even still, it's, like, also, if, if it was a bank, it's, like, I don't even know how much money we have in this bank. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they say, us millennials are lazy. Please. <laughs> Damn. At least I show up and know everyone's name. Man. Right? Like, okay. Fine. <laughs> So, you know, I think we should just give him all the toddlers we have. He seems great. It'll be fine. Um, where Andre was held in the Simpson County Jail. It was an L-shaped holding cell, which was shared with 12 prisoners. So, late August 22nd, 1993, another inmate noticed Andre was missing from the holding cell. The only other place he could have been was the cell's shower area, which was dark and unsupervised. That's scary. And why do jail cells have showers with 12 other men? But okay, we're moving on. So Andre was discovered in the corner of the shower, facing a wall. He had apparently used a single black shoelace to hang himself, taken from his gray and red Air Jordan sneakers. What? 
What? In the autopsy report written by Dr. Stephen Hayne, hmm. butthole. Fuck him. <laughs> noted that the shoelace around Andre's neck had been tied to an iron grate above the shower head, which was roughly eight feet above the floor. Okay. Eight feet is pretty damn tall. Mm-hmm. Andre would have needed to reach this iron grate, but Dr. Haynes said it was possible for Andre. I think he was like 5'10". So... And it was in a shower? Yeah. And, like, there was no, like, stool. Right. Like, you would have to, like, stand on something. Yeah. The other crazy part is his knees were, like, bent a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Just hold that in your brain. His knees were bent. Crazy. Right? Mm -hmm. So... After that, the strength of the shoelace was questioned. The family of Andre and Elizabeth did not believe that it was physically possible for a single shoelace to hold his body weight. But again, Dr. Hain, citing scientific tests conducted by shoelace manufacturer, disagreed. So I'd like to take a moment and say, Michael Jordan, your heiress... If you could weigh in on this and let me know if a 1993 Air Jordan shoelace could in fact do that, it'd be like really swell. Because honestly, I don't believe it. I've broken a shoelace while trying to like tie my own shoes. And your airness closing this case with your help would be the most incredible thing I would ever do in my life. Thank you. (laughs) Back to the sadness. So the report was sent off to other agencies for review, demanded by the family. Um, Wait, hang on. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We have to. I knew you were going to be like, wait. I am. (laughs) For one, I need a moment before I get new information because I'm I'm verklempt right now. Um, (laughs) Two, I wanted to go back to um, Dr. Who's-His-Face. The Dr. Horrible? Yes, Dr. Horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, he, so, okay. When he did the autopsy, what did he say about the, the neck and bruising? Sure, happy to go back on that. Let me flip my page over. He said, dun, da, 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 he found marks on Andre's neck, consistent with just hanging, no apparent signs of bruising on his neck or other parts of the body, which would have indicated a struggle and then he ruled the death a suicide. So we're ruling the death a suicide, and he apparently didn't struggle. And it was a shoelace that did it that allowed there to be no bruising. Allegedly. And also no struggle. Mm-hmm. And the shoelace was hung from eight feet in the air mm-hmm. with, no, with no stool or any stepping device to get up to. Right. Cool. I just wanted to thank you. Got it. Don't don't worry. You're you're on board. You yep. are correct in everything that you think is wrong. Like my brain is so split right now because it's like I'm I'm getting a lot of wild information <laughs> that I'm like my brain native like naturally just wants to rationalize it and like oh like there's here's the through line and it just does not exist but the story keeps going and I'm like wait but I don't. 
but steps two and three didn't add up. So how are we on step eight? Like, what? Keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It feels like an explanation to the manager, if you ask me, having been a manager. <laughs> and like, it, you tuned out for a second, and then you're, you tuned back in, and you're like, when did I get here? It's like you have like the wordless Ikea instructions (laughs) for like a different piece of furniture and you're looking at it and you're like I have the parts on the paper but they don't match the parts that are in front of me you're like "Mm, how does this little guy look so happy I don't get it (laughs) I'm frustrated I'm not happy Ikea (laughs) exactly and like Ikea instructions the family was like I don't accept these instructions so they sent the report to other agencies for review. So, like, other local police departments, because that's so helpful. Um, yeah, like, who, pff, please. The Armed Forces Institute of Pathology, the Department of Justice, and the U.S. Attorney's Office, and the FBI. All of them would end up agreeing with the findings provided by Dr. Hain because they feel like they didn't even look at it, honestly. They just swiped it to the done pile with, like, an, and moved mm-hmm. on. Because there's no way a sentient human being would look at this and be like, yeah, that makes sense. But it gets better. And by better, she means actually better this time. Um. (laughs) Because I was going to say, like, you know, my, like, my knowledge of the criminal justice system is solely based on, like, law and order reruns here. Oh, man. You were too optimistic. (laughs) Right. Well, no. But I'm saying, like. If I have no knowledge of how the law works whatsoever, and, like, I can red flag this weird bullshit, like, come on. Yeah, that's fair. That's Why? fair. FBI? Somebody. Someone. Somebody help us. Somebody and you're like, oh, God. See, the funny thing I feel is that, like, Law & Order, especially SVU, gave us too high expectations of how detectives really act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Because I don't want anybody but like Mariska Hargitay and Ice-T to be on my case. That's it. I don't care if they're actors. I trust no one else. <laughs> That's true. Like, I've seen Nelly Cops. I'm out. Um, I also, so- just with the timing of everything, I also love that Law & Order has Ice-T on it, who notoriously like was a gangster rapper. And it also I- makes me think about Ice Cube, who also who's like Mm-hmm. It, later in his career, played police officers as well. It's it, like, fuck it, the police is a thing. It is. <laughs> but you know what no one's ever said? Fuck the fire department. And I'm just saying. That's, that has to be examined. Yeah, I'm just saying. They put out the fire, so they don't start them. Um, Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Esther and Charles were... Wait... Nope, I didn't turn my page. Dun, da, da, da. That's my uh, fault, because I caused you to go back because I was trying to make it make sense. Oh, no, I put that page away. I didn't turn the page again. <laughs> oh, I see. That was me. So Andre's family, they're not satisfied. They're like, you know what? I want an independent review of Andre's death and explore other potential causes, because this Hell yeah. some bullshit. So they did. Mm-hmm. So... On a side note, Charles stated that an inmate anonymously told um, them that officers had used racial slurs 
to intimidate Andre after his arrest, to scare Andre into compliance. Obviously, this was rejected by the arresting officers, and they, along with Ingram, claimed that Andre was very cooperative throughout his arrest. Remember, he's a cooperative gangster. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And was as non-confrontational as can be. Direct quote from Ingram. There was no confrontation whatsoever with young Andre Jones. In fact, the officers were amazed how cooperative he was. Well, if your officers, like, always come up to potential suspects and just, like, kick them in the nuts, well, then, of course, they're going to be confrontational. You kicked them in the nuts. Like, why are you amazed with how cooperative someone is? They're terrified. This is a child that you're soon to murder. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god! But and I feel like even if someone is confrontational, that's still not that doesn't justify like killing anybody. Uh, no, it's not. Even though Andre was a delightful young man, even if he wasn't a delightful young man, he had no. There was no reason to murder him in a jail. Mm-hmm. You know, like every life matters. You were innocent until proven guilty. And so, being in a jail, you should be safe until you have... Well, no, you should be safe the whole time. But you go to the judge, you get your stuff, like, you go through the due process. You shouldn't be fearing for your life waiting for due process. Like, regardless of your, like, your state, like, your class, your race, your age, your ethnicity, any of that. Mm -hmm. Like... Let's say Andre was a young gangster. So the fuck what? I would still be defending his ass exactly the way I am right now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so a week after his death, in August of 1992, uh, I like how I have to keep reminding you when it is, <laughs> an independent review was conducted by... Dr. James Bryant. We love him. Yay. Uh, okay, good. A... <laughs> You're like, oh my god, finally someone good that isn't Esther or Charles. Yeah, I was like, um, so far my favorites are Esther and Charles. Yeah. Um, and that's Andre. no disrespect to Tanisha, right? Was that Tanisha. her name? Oh, Tanisha, yeah. she's. You see her on Unsolved Mysteries, too. And, like, uh, Survivor's Aww. guilt and Survivor's remorse, I feel like, is probably nasty for her, too. I mean. I'm sure, yeah. Like, that was something I was going to talk about, too. Like, how awful it must feel for Tanisha that, like, her boyfriend, the last time she sees him, is getting arrested. Mm-hmm. Like, that's awful. As he was literally helping you just driving her get home. home. Yeah, yeah, which should be something sweet and romantic before he goes off to college. Right. Which like, is this week, is it not? That that's coming up yeah, now. Yeah, it's like a few days away. Um, I think so. Like, I was gonna say towards the end of this, but yeah, I'll say if it's it now. August. Um, and if it's been coming, a week since his death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're coming up on August twenty second. So we're coming up on 27 years after his death, which is another great reason that we should be talking about it because you know how we love to talk about those unsolved things. Mm -hmm. Um, So Dr. James Brent, he's a forensic pathologist from Chicago. He was hired by the Quinn family to review the case in particular to look over the autopsy report prepared by Dr. Horrible Hayne. Um, yeah, I'm roasting him. And I, I realize I should be more objective, but it's really... 
But, okay. Also, like, <laughs> fuck that guy. So. <laughs> like, fuck that guy. So Dr. Bryant found that Andre had likely been strangled, stating the ligature marks around his neck were inconsistent with the reports of the hanging. Mm. He also noted that Andre's knees, which were found to be buckled at the time of his death, were inconsistent with the body's natural reaction to hanging. So, direct quote from him, The body has automatic reflexes, so you cannot tie a noose around your neck, bend your knees, and stay there until you're dead. It's a fairy tale. Dr. James Bryan also claimed that the photographs of Andre's body, he saw what looked like signs of bruising on one part of the body, or sorry, on parts of the body, in particular around the eyes and the shoulders. So direct quote, he had some bruising under one of his eyes and also he had some bruising under, on the shoulder and on the shoulder of the same side. The bruising could have been right at the time that he died or it could have been sometime during the day but apparently he had suffered some kind of blunt trauma during the time he was in jail. So due to what he could determine, he alleged that Andre Jones had possibly been killed and his body was then staged to look like a suicide. However, he did note that this was based on his own instinct since he didn't get to actually examine the body and as such didn't have any direct evidence. He also noted that there seemed to be no sign of apparent struggle as there wasn't any skin noted under Andre's fingernails, etc. Dr. Bryant's biggest argument, though, in favor of his theory that Andre did not kill himself was the physical unlikeliness, unlikelihood, sorry, my bad, of Andre being able to hang himself on the grate above the shower head, which was more than eight feet in the air. He said it was too high for Andre to take his own life, and therefore he didn't believe he had. So a direct quote from him. It is physically impossible for a person to pick themselves up by a shoestring and hang themselves from the rafters of a shower stall without the aid of a chair or step stool. Accordingly, I interpret this death as a homicide, wherein the shoestring hanging was used to fake the appearance of a suicide. Dr. Hain immediately disputed Dr. Bryant's conclusion. Naturally. Huh, I wonder why. You know, same. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, like, why would he do that? And then I was like, oh, yeah. Because. Because you're horrible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, go away. Like, yeah. Why are you still here? Oh, yeah. right. You're a dickhead. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Captain Dickhead. <laughs> um, so the claim that the death of Andre Jones had been staged first started about a week after his death. And when the family, like, the family still disbelieved the official narrative. But the report of Dr. Bryant really solidified that position that Andre's suicide had been staged by law enforcement and was perhaps racially motivated. Um, so another anonymous inmate, or it could have been the same one from before, uh, met with the Quins and said that on the night that Andre, Andre, I am so sorry, Andre was found hanging <laughs> in the shower was holding of uh, the holding cell he had been taken away by officers and guards sometime that evening and had been returned in a wheelchair. This would have been when his suicide was allegedly staged. However, there are no other inmates that confirm this account of events. Obviously, I think it's due to retaliation and penalties. Like, yeah. that one inmate was incredibly brave to stay, like, stand up for it initially. But... 
the Mississippi jail system is one of the cruelest in the country. And if I'm wrong, I don't know if anyone wants to come out and yell, no, we're crueler, because that's not like a contest to it's win, It's not something dude. you have to be it's... proud of. No. Yeah. Um, so in the aftermath of Andre's death, the family began to publicly connect his death with a recent rash of suicides in jails, which had become an epidemic throughout Mississippi's jails and prisons. So people they, just started killing themselves in prison. Yep. Cool. These yeah, all totally normal. Totally I, normal. It's so wild, especially when I give you the statistics. These were all suicides like Andre's, which featured deaths that loved ones felt were unexplored and unexamined. In total, there would be nearly 50 of these cases, which have been documented in the stretch of just over five years. So I gave you one of 50. Oh my God. The wildest part is that from 87 to about 93, uh, 92, sorry. I think it's 92, sorry. It's 47 cases were identified. Um, they'd quote unquote committed suicide, which is not a, a crime. So technically saying committed suicide is like not a thing taken their own life under questionable or suspicious circumstances. And surprisingly were individuals that weren't specific to any one race or creed out of the 47. Um, as far as jailhouse suicides are only 24 were black. The other 23 were white or of mixed ethnicities, but just like the black men who had committed suicide, they had all done so over that six year span leading up to the, like this meeting of a civil rights coalition in 1993. Hmm. I'll tell you more about it in a second. Yeah. So, um, Andre's family believes that he was a part of that. And I definitely agree as well. So that would be the end of the story. We are going to talk about the fallout and what happened after. But (laughs) don't worry. Don't worry. Some of it's fun. Some of it's not. Um, And I'm going to blitz through it because I know we're running long, but there's just so much to tell. Um, But I'm through the worst of it, I will say. That's good. So hit me with your thoughts, guys. What do you think? I mean, I, I'm i just at a loss because the fact, it feels like the fact that there were so many, and this is you know, over the course of, you said five years, right? Yeah. Over the course of those five years, the fact that there's so many makes me even more offended that the, because I feel like maybe the first one, and I hate that there, again, I hate that there are so many. I feel like yeah. the first one, the cover-up might have had more intention behind it of mm-hmm. like, oh, we killed this person. We need to like make it look like a suicide. But then by the time they get to poor Andre, and it's like, just throw a shoelace around him and put him in the, put him in the shower. Like, it's so flippant. It's so freaking flippant. So I... That I think that's what's frustrating me more is, more is knowing that it, there were so many and they just it had become so routine 
mm-hmm. that they just were allow like allowed themselves to get sloppy, which and I don't want there to be a good cover up, which is why I'm like it's just such a it's a layered emotion I'm experiencing right now. Right. <laughs> but like how to it was so regular that you just allow you were comfortable enough to get sloppy, which says a whole nother thing about this whole unit. And it's not even it's also the fact that it's not even just one person. If there was like one awful guy and he even if he was paying off like two, three guys who were like looking the other way, this is over five years, this is a system of people. This is well, the, the the whole lot of them. Yeah, and it's it, honestly, it's well, it was across the whole state. And what you come to realize is it's not only just like the system of it, but it's the culture of their policing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you, I believe it's an episode of John Oliver, like he did an episode of policing and how Southern policing stems from the KKK. Mm hmm. It's very informative and digestible because it does tend to get to be overwhelming when you realize how much influence that's had. I think Mississippi, of course, has had so much KKK influence to where it seems commonplace, you know? And so, of course, they're going to stop a black kid. They don't know if he's a threat, but he's going to be a threat one day and let's just take him out now and like that's a horrible way to think of it because that's a that's a young boy with a beautiful future with a beautiful life his life is precious all human lives are precious but more importantly the reason that we all say black lives matter is because disproportionately who's getting targeted and this is a case that's proving that this isn't just like a one-time deal this is going back decades and this is when we are alive all three of us were alive when this happened Mm -hmm. and this young man should have been able to take his girlfriend home without getting murdered by the police later i think it's it's also just wild that like i've never heard about this until today i agree i think so too i wouldn't have known about it um if it weren't for Unsolved Mysteries, and this episode came out in, like, 1994, and I saw it in, like, 2002. I definitely think that there has been a strange cover-up, and this is why I wanted to cover it so bad. That's why I was like, you know what, we're going to do it. It's going to be tough, but we're going to cover this case because not very many people have... They have covered the Mississippi hangings in another podcast, which is in my citations. It's called Unresolved. Great podcast, by the way. Mm. Um, but he covered it in 2018. Mm-hmm. But I, I wanted to update it because we're in different places and stuff like that. I'll hit all my citations at the end. Um, I just I find it so bonkers that we don't know about this. And I feel like, how can we forget Andre Jones, a young man with such a promising future? All young black men have promising futures. They have the right to make decisions and choices and live their life to what they feel is the fullest. Same with young black women and honestly, just young black people. Um, And that choice that moment got snuffed out for what? (laughs) For what? 
And so let's get into the fallout. Let's talk about how Mississippi's police felt about it. So Walter Tucker, the chief of police in Brandon, Mississippi, did not know it was big enough to have one of those, chief of police, um, the city where Andre Jones had been initially arrested, he says, yes, I'm going to do the accent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we need the accent now. How long are you all going to call this an alleged suicide? Everybody in the world has determined it was a suicide. Even the Justice Department and the United States Armed Forces Institute of Pathology and all the grand juries and all the investigations, the FBI and everybody has ruled it a suicide. So that's just classic gaslighting of the black community because mm -hmm. I didn't rule it a suicide. I did not do that. Neither did Dr. Bryant. So, like, that's not everyone. Also, this I'm is pre-internet. I'm going to go on a record here and say, uh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you I second that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you had put this up to Reddit at the time, you'd have been annihilated. Oh, for sure. Like, but, yes, gaslighting the black community and saying that they're fears and their feelings are incorrect I hope someone farts on his pillow and gives him peak eye <laughs> that was a threat I said to my freshman roommate because she was very mean to me and yeah she stopped being mean to me after that never did it but the threat was enough um, so you remember that sheriff of Simpson County Goon Jones Ugh. oh yeah Someone who had earned the support of the local KKK chapters in his election. He was very, very thrilled about this one. He goes, I never killed anybody. I didn't even know the kid was in jail. We, and we sure didn't ask who his parents were. We didn't care. All they're after is money. What the fuck are you after then in life? Like, yeah, they should be after money because you fucked up and killed their kid. That's yeah. what white people do. Like, white people are like, oh my god, you s made my shake wrong. Give me money. What right. is Karen if not a cash grab? Like, fuck. <laughs> also, said a very innocent man. Jesus. But, um, and again, he's like, I didn't even know he was in my jail. What? <laughs> yeah, Stop back to the telling people you're bad at your job. <laughs> right, like, I just don't. I wish I could, like, blatantly just be that excited about being bad at my job. I'm not bad at my job. I love my job. But, like, what? Like, even if I was bad at my job, I wouldn't be throwing that shit out there. Like, But, like, just... what if I was bad at, like, hosting this podcast and just, like, shutting it off halfway through? <laughs> I didn't even um... know we were recording a podcast. Right? I don't even know what a podcast is. Do we just cast pods, like, in pod racing and star wars yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean but when he says that she's just after money first of all what is a wrongful death suit for a <laughs> b b fuck you again again <laughs> cannot stress this enough but also like they should be you stole their son you right. snuffed out his life for sport his life is and was valuable. 
And so, in March of 1993, that coalition of civil rights groups conducted the series of hearings in Jackson, Mississippi, Janet Jackson, Mississippi. Um, Their stated purpose was to discuss, basically, the jailhouse suicides in Mississippi, and they were basically able to determine that it was very specific to the state of Mississippi. Like, nobody else was dealing with this but them. And that's where we got out of the 47. It wasn't specific to being black or white. It kind of was spread out. But it was predominantly young men. So actually, there are some women in there, guys. Um, They had similar situations as Andre. A lot of promise and potential. But their their lives got sidetracked by an arrest or a conviction. And they had their lives taken like allegedly by fear or depression and the coalition was like nah we don't believe it let's hear some stuff so um a man named barney scoby or shoby i'm not sure and i feel bad for mispronouncing his name i'm so sorry dude uh we like barney uh like go ahead all right the purple dinosaur Because now that is what I am imagining, and I love it, and I want to sing his quote. I'm not going to. (laughs) But I was starting to, like, do it in my head. He was a state representative and a chairman of the Legislative Black Caucus. And he had some pretty, pretty intense thoughts about that revelation. He said, and this is his direct quote, "Uh, We know that blacks don't commit suicide. Blacks have to live with too much adversity to commit suicide like this. There is a feeling among blacks across the nation that the new way of lynching uh, us is to get us in jail and lynch us. That's intense. I don't think he's wrong. Yeah. Um, no. I mean, aside from the, and I get that it was, you know, 93, aside from the, like, the suicide erasure because that does happen i think we mm-hmm. like there's the the mental health component of that conversation with he, in the black community yeah but. i do think he said because he said blacks don't and i hate i say i prefer to say black people um have to live with too much adversity to commit suicide like this that like kind of qualifies to in jail in the like, you know, yes. no hope situation. But no, I agree. I agree with you. I know that mental health in the black community is an issue and should be addressed. But mental health in many, many communities needs to be addressed. Yeah, that's just that perception. Yeah. Overall. But I definitely understand where he's coming from. Like, we've lived with too much to go out like that. Like, what? We are definitely being murdered in this case. Right. And I mean, this kid supposed to go, supposed to go to college in, I'll say max two weeks from when the cops picked him up. Um, they said it was days. See? And yeah. Okay. So I'm supposed like, to go to college and I just up and commit suicide. I'm, I lo- I've lost all hope that I'm going to get out of this situation. I don't see like how he could in that situation too, because like he hasn't even been arraigned. What did they had to have done, like, for for him to have taken his own life, there had to have been something that happened 
again, that violated his Fourth Amendment rights, because remember, we went all the way back to his initial arrest. They're still responsible. Like, if they put him in that kind of duress, that's still on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of those people who were in attendance of that, they mm-hmm. called this a human issue as opposed to a race issue. Um, even though, like, you know, the African-American community had long been pointing this out about prison conditions and going unheard, but now that it was affecting more than just them, then people were listening, which is so annoying. Um, so the following month, there's a federal probe opened by the DOJ. Uh, Janet Reno, who's the attorney general at the time under Clinton, she says... How could that many people die? Really, bitch? Well, Janet, I have some news for you. You're not the right Janet in this situation. <laughs> We're talking to the wrong Janet. <laughs> um, so she directed the Civil Rights Division at the DOJ to handle it. And so, like, their initial investigation wasn't to find the evidence of foul play on the behalf of law enforcement, but to, like, What's causing all these suicides? This is so crazy. Wow. Um, (laughs) Whoa. Is something wrong with prison conditions? Um, Can we make changes? Um, Not with the bottom line. As it is. (laughs) I know, right? Mm -hmm. We got to give some some politicians raises. We can't do that. Uh, (laughs) So there's an attorney in Jackson. And the one representing the family of Andre Jones. I am so sorry if I mispronounce this, guys. I believe his name is Chakwi Lamamba. Um, he was asked I'll say this. Out. Valiant effort if that wasn't right. Yeah. I'm, I'm so hoping <laughs> that I was right. Because, like, mispronouncing people's names is devastating for me. So, like, I try so hard. Because uh, I have a very stupid last name. And... Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Unlike you, Vaughn, who has, like, the most glorious name of all time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we don't have to do this right now. <laughs> I'm just saying he should be a count in, like, Romania or something and have, like, a castle. Cool. Ooh. We're doing it right now. So my full name <laughs> is Von Dexter Montague II. Oh, wow. Doesn't it sound like he should be some sort of count? That is a good name. With, yes. like, a, like a castle full of dogs. Yes. <laughs> I'm just so upset. Please get a castle full of dogs. I'm just somebody full of rage over here. Like, I'm related to Nick Fury. I mean... That's it. <laughs> I've got a count for a friend and a bunch mm-hmm. of dogs. In a castle. In a castle. And then yes. I'm over here with an eye patch. Yeah. Jeez. I just have, like, the most boring generic name, but that's fine. But honestly, you could be a super spy and, like, yes, my name is Alex Brown, and I'm normal, and then you turn out to be, like, the An assassin. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, right. So every time you pass by, I'm going to be like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-d
I'm not going to try it again because I feel like I just nailed it the first time. Yeah, uh, we'll keep it pushing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said that he hoped that the Clinton administrator, administrator, administration, is <laughs> doing too good, got too close to the sun, wings melted. Yep. Uh, <laughs> administration would do a better job than its predecessor did talking about George H.W. Bush, which we know he was wrapped up in Somalia at the time. I mean, come on. Um, however, he reiterated that this would not deter the family of Andre Jones from filing lawsuits of their own or demanding justice and answers. So proud of them, proud of them for sticking to it. So in August of 1993, his case is reviewed by Dr. Emily Ward, who's a specialist in forensic pathology and serves as the Mississippi State Medical Examiner. Her case, oh, wait, his case, sorry, um, Andre's case, was one of several reviewed by Dr. Ward, and she looked over not only the autopsy, but statements and provided by Andre's fellow inmates and other potential pieces of evidence, including the independent review furnished by Dr. James Bryant. Dr. Emily Ward remained convinced that Andre's death, in addition to the other dozens of cases provided by the Commission on Civil Rights, were indeed suicides. Punch. And no. fuck you, Emily Ward. Yeah, you would Adding think. Adding yep. to the list. She yeah. says, and I quote, I think that it's extremely unlikely for many of these deaths are anything other than suicide. All the deaths have been investigated by not one just one agency, but one or two or sometimes three. Yeah, and I they can all her. be fucking wrong, dude. Yeah. Yeah. They can all be in bed with each other. Right. <laughs> That's kind of how cover-ups work. I know. <laughs> Emily. I'm sorry, Emily, but you she's, missed it. She's probably on the take, too. Yeah, definitely on the take. I mean, Ugh. you see her on Unsolved Mysteries, and she just looks like she's on the take. Mm. Um. <laughs> So, of course, this is a poor outcome for a pressing issue, but a lot of people saw this as, like, proof of something other than intrinsic in, blah, 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 intrinsic racism in, or any hate crimes, because it, the argument kind of began to shift from, like, rash suicides and more towards... Um, like wide reaching arguments about prison conditions because all of these individuals had allegedly taken their own lives in Mississippi jails and prison in that six period, six year ish period, like five plus. And they stood like as direct outliers from the rest of the country. So. Wait, can I ask a question that maybe, uh, I don't know if you have all the, specifics i can make educated conjecture <laughs> so over the course of these five years with these dozens and dozens of um alleged suicides mm -hmm. was was there a through line in terms of like oh it was also you know officer dickhead every time who was on duty when these guys were dying or like was that consistent or did, did they notice any patterns there i mean I, I bet they weren't looking for those patterns but did that come up in any of your stuff no, I didn't. And I, because I was only looking at this one person, um, I didn't find that. But I think people have investigated the Mississippi hangings 
that's what they're referred to this five-year period um better and that might have the answer to that maybe i should have looked that up because that's a great question i didn't think about that but i think in my educated conjecture that it's a systemic problem that multiple officers exhibited and it's like bro culture yeah yeah i'm sure it was probably like you know a good amount if not most of them yeah Especially if their, like, boss is just kind of not paying attention, quote-unquote. <laughs> or We know he's paying attention. But participating. Right. Yeah. That's right. how one doesn't pay attention, you know. That's right. Like, <laughs> stop lying. We know, we know what you're actually doing over there. Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. So, um, I did find this on the Unresolved podcast, which I thought was super interesting. And um, I wanted to bring it up. It's a woman named Andrea Gibbs. She was a former sheriff's deputy from Gulfport, Mississippi. And that's a city, southern border of Mississippi. Um, that's along the Gulf of Mexico. Hilarious. Gulfport. Um, <laughs> she had worked for a youth detention facility throughout the 80s up until 89. So while she's there, she witnesses just crazy amounts of brutality and beatings of the detainees. Mostly who were children. Mm-hmm. I say all were children. But we have a different definition of children. So, you know, hey. So in 1989, she, she tries to raise the issues up to her superiors along with three of her co-workers. All whom who just happen to be black. Um, so shortly after she raised the issue. Um, hoping to, like, improve the environment and... For the inmates, under her supervision and her co-workers, the, all four were let go and fired from their posts. So a direct quote from her was, I saw kids from 13 to 17 being beaten. There was systemic abuse and violence going on within the jail. I've never seen anyone hung, but I've certainly seen situations where it could have escalated into someone being murdered. It doesn't take an Einstein to figure out that the best way to cover it up is to yell suicide and wrap a shoelace around their neck. So the lawsuits that were filed by Esther and Charles, the legends, um, they were filed for $25 million in damages targeted both at the Brandon Police Department. Man, I just smack money. Whatever. <laughs> Um, the ones that arrested Andre at the sobriety checkpoint and initially detained him and Simpson. So in the lawsuits, they named several people, our good old pal Goon Jones, Hmm. John Abernathy, Walter Tucker. I impersonated him earlier. Another guy named John Henley. I don't think we talked about him. Um, all of the Simpson County and its related agencies in the city of Brandon, Mississippi. So both of the lawsuits propose three theories on Andre's death. And so specifically it reads, Andre was either ki- or Andre Jones was either killed or was placed by defendants in conditions and circumstances which psychologically caused him to kill himself. Ba-boom. So... Yeah. The lawsuit made allegations that Andre had been stopped and detained without cause, again, violating his Fourth Amendment rights. Right. 
claiming that the story furnished by law enforcement at a later date was fabricated, which were, yeah. Yeah. And said that Brandon police officers um, used threats of violence, racial slurs, and everything they could to ensure Andre would be compliant. So, in 1994, Andre was featured on Unsolved Mysteries for the first time. And that's what got him, like, national coverage. And so there's articles published in the New York Times, a lot of which I got this information from. Um, The lawsuit... Oh, in the Washington Post. The lawsuit from the Quinn family continued to hang over the story for the next few years, but nothing really changed. So... Interestingly enough, 1995, a Mississippi circuit judge removed several defendants from the lawsuit, um, but dismissed the defense's motion to dismiss the case, so dismissed the dismissal, mm-hmm. and allowed the case to continue against the estate of Goon Jones, who had recently been killed in the police shooting. Which I find that to be fucking hilarious. <laughs> Get him. Poetic. I know. Get him. So eventually the lawsuits filed uh, reached a conclusion. It's kind of hard to just, like figure out what really happened. Honestly, I think they were just doing it to like get the awareness. I don't think they were trying to get the $25 million. That's like more of a right. scare tactic, you know? Yeah. Some say that there was an unknown settlement. Others say that they were dismissed. Um, the parents continue to fight for more answers. His mother, Esther Jones Quinn, who now goes by Esther Muhammad, published a book in 2016, which I did not know, and I was kind of sad because I would have read it before this. The book is titled Mississippi Jail Hangings Behind the Magnolias. Um addresses the story of Andre and the plight of the family. Mm. So Esther has dedicated her life to to fighting against racial inequality. Again, prior to her son's death, she was the president of the NAACP Jackson chapter. And she wanted Andre's story to be preserved since there aren't many people left talking about his story or the other lives of those lost in Mississippi institutions between 1987 and 1993. And so this is why I wanted to, like, full steam ahead on Andre's story, because she's right. Nobody knows about this. Yeah. And let's bring it up. Let's rub it in police face. Let's salt their wounds. Let's prove their need to be defunded and move things around. So bad. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you remember Dr. Horrible? Yeah. Sadly. (laughs) You're going to love this, guys. In the late 2000s, his credibility got questioned real hard. When it came to light, he conducted thousands of autopsies every year, in addition to his own pathology practice. So, he basically was like a contractor. So he would charge the state for each autopsy. He testified that he conducted like 1,700 autopsies a year, which rounds out what? to like more than four each and every day. That, do they even have that many people dying like a year? That's so, that's so much. It's Mississippi. I mean, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I can't judge, but like. I know. Damn. I thought that too, though. 
But that's nearly seven times the maximum caseload recommended by the National Association of Medical Examiners. This is another time to, you know, promote John Oliver. He does something on medical examiners on one of his episodes. Oh, yeah. But I also believe uh, Hassan Minhaj has an episode of Patriot Act regarding medical examiners. I may be wrong. I may not be. I don't think I am. I think I remember watching it. And they tell you, like, what medical examiners actually do and how terrible some can be and highly recommend watching and learning about medical examiners because they can make a huge difference in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you think they're skilled, often not. I was going to say, you but, like, the licensing is really loose on that, right? Oh, it's like, to looser become one? than being a podcaster. <laughs> we, we could all be medical examiners like yeah well that's the I, episode bye everybody yes i'm gonna go <laughs> get my degree now like ethic my certification whatever you need and Do you need? she nailed it if you need it um and i feel like even you know if you are a skilled medical examiner let's say if this dude is averaging like four bodies a day or that's the statistic he has mm-hmm. how sharp are you really gonna be that's the point you yes. know wait like, it gets that's worse a lot of bodies in a day oh i did i just did broke the math down i was like wait four a day 1700 that's four a day if you don't have a day off if you yeah, actually so if you like, work five days a week it's six and a half a day wow could you imagine doing half an autopsy? <laughs> like, we'll, just, we'll do the top. I'll get now. back to we'll this. Check out the, yeah, we'll check that. Uh, Where's my yeah. meatball sub? <laughs> no. I bet you it's in Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. She has some animal's oh. testicles inside of her. <laughs> no, what Cheryl. if he was also a hunter? So, like, he would... Oh. Oh, now we're in, like, like, like horror movie. How did we get here? It's my fault. I apologize. Oh. No, I'm just saying, <laughs> no. she said we're in a horror movie, but Alex, you know me. I this do. is my territory. It is. Mine as well. Mine as well. And Vaughn's just like... <laughs> I, I never delve into this. <laughs> so, I am... I mean, I, I, I've been black my whole life, as I said, so... I'm just saying, uh, the yeah. next UFO episode, I'll invite you. And yeah. you don't have to, is what I'm saying right now. <laughs> are you, you scared are not, of aliens? I don't know if fear is really it. It's... It, okay. Okay, all you gotta do, all you gotta do, are you ready? Mm-mm. You open their spaceship, you punch them in the head, and you say, welcome to welcome Earth. Welcome to Earth. And then you sit down, you smoke a cigar, and say, now that's what I call a close encounter. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I, These are the lessons that Independence Day has taught us. I am done. I am 100% done. I have seen that movie every year since it came out. Yes. Like, well, on July 4th, all I do is celebrate Will Smith saving the world. That's it. As you should. There, is there something else that happens July 4th? No. no it's not that I'm aware of. Okay. Yeah, just making sure. But, um, okay, <laughs> let's, let's, let's focus back because I'm almost done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, it is unknown how much damage he has fucking done. 
But his testimony was successfully discredited on three major criminal cases that resulted the release of three people where his testimony had been the linchpin. Good. So therefore, he was let go in 2008. So did anything change in Mississippi? Probably not. Yes, they realized the error of their ways. Totally revamped the system. Yeah, everything's great now. Every black person in Mississippi was offered reparations. It was fantastic. That was fantastic. the hottest of takes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say, if you look on paper, the suicides by hanging in the state of Mississippi dropped drastically. Were there other types of suicide? Maybe. I hate this song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why? It keeps repeating. It's, just, it's like the song that never ends being sung to you by like a three-year-old that you don't know and they won't leave. And then there are like different covers, like different three-year-olds come in yes. and just yeah. sing it. And I just, oh, God. Okay. All right. Oh, they can't decide go. on a key. It's awful. Just, <laughs> it's like, they don't even know what a key is. Um... So, do you think there was any widespread policy put in place that changed the conditions within jails and prisons? Nah, brah. <laughs> uh, jails and prisons may have made it harder for inmates to hang themselves or others, but violence within these institutions still runs rampant, and it seems to be an epidemic without a cure. No, the cure is money, but, like, you know, without a cure. Mm-hmm. Um... Regardless of what any inmate has ever done, the conditions of a prison should not be worse than what is seen in third world nations. We do not want this for anyone. They are human beings, regardless of what they've done. Um, especially when they've not been convicted of anything. Or when they just straight up didn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. But even if they had, right. like... After all, a large majority of these prisoners end up getting released. So you want people to come back into society. You want them, you want them to come back as better people, not war veterans who just expect to be, like, beaten up. And there's a reason we have reincarceration rates as high as we do. And we treat prisons like... I don't know, like a rotating door of keeping black people in poverty, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, you're set up to fail. Yeah, And I that's mean, disgusting. The, the, the issue is how you, how you go in and what you think the purpose of a prison is. Like, mm-hmm. if, if, if it's to reform an individual and offer them you know, an opportunity to see the error of their ways and to make amends... That's not what these people want. They want to use it, you know, it goes back to, you know, the 13th Amendment. They want to be able to use it to have legal slavery, essentially. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to use it to keep people, hold people back. Because then it, even once you do get out, there's yes, there's reincarceration. But then, like, what job opportunities are available for, you know, ex-cons? What, um, what quality of life? What voting is available? Right. Like that's another thing that's like that another way another method of voter suppression. It's mm-hmm. it's super layered. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's unimaginable that we live in a country that we allow that to happen. And 
another reason that I wanted to bring this one up. We're approaching 28 years since the death of Andre Jones, the wrongful death of Andre Jones. And there's so many questions that are so unanswered by his loved ones. And, or for his loved ones, I should say. But also, not just him, but probably hundreds of inmates. Because that five-year period was just a surge. It never probably stopped happening. Mm -hmm. It probably never truly ceased to exist. People don't joke about the driving while black ticket for no reason. And states like Mississippi and Alabama and Arkansas and Tennessee, those southern states, there's many more I could name, but not to roast everyone, though I should. Um, It's just, there's so many unexplored factors and the rise of our Black Lives Matters movement shouldn't forget the deep systemic issues in the South, how far they go, because it's not going away anytime soon, and the problem isn't so easily solved, I guess. Because it's within that system, and that system has to be gutted. It has to be torn out and reformed. Right. I mean, that's exactly how you solve the problem, but until the people in power actually want to solve the real problem, like, we're just going to get a bunch of, like, thoughts and prayers comments, essentially, yep. where, like, yep. people pretend to care, but they're not actually going to, like, do anything about it. I agree. And that's why sharing stories like Andre's, I think, from the perspective of, no, this is wrong. Not that let's see both sides. Because I don't see another Fuck side. That. <laughs> I don't see another side. This yeah. should not have happened. An 18 year old boy was murdered. Yeah. yeah. There's no other side. This is just horrendous. Like, I just, oh my God. But then again, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and we let 150,000 people die because people need to not wear a mask. Like, you know, it's but, all awful. I mean, and it, it's. All of it is linked to greed. It in is addition. linked. Mm-hmm. And selfishness. Yeah. And the people who are crying out for the rights of others, I feel, are the ones who end up having to give away so much. Like, why are the poor people having to donate? Why Jeff mm-hmm. Bezos could fix so much. Seriously. As but, an individual. Like, I know. Right, like one person. That bald-headed Lex Luthor. Like, honestly, if anyone's going to get all. Marie Antoinette. Yeah. Like, uh, we need to get a cool suit out of it. You know what I mean? Like, at least Lex <laughs> has, the, like, the cool, the dope suits and, like, the, the like, no. swag. We don't even get that. No, he's just basically got a dick pic and that's it. And I, no one wanted that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, real quick, I want to do my citations. So, Unsolved Mysteries, Season 6, Episode 14, or Unsolved.com. There's the New York Times article, Digitalized, from February 22nd, 1993, written by Peter Applebaum, Death in the Jailhouse, dot, 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 long title, didn't bother. The Unresolved Podcast, I got a lot of really cool information from there. I think he had more access to um, newspapers than I did. And then several um, articles from the Laurel Leader Call, uh, 
They're all titled Reno Orders Probe of Jail Hanging, Islam Leader Supports Jail Hanging Investigation, Eight Defendants Dismissed in Jail Lawsuit. That's all of the post facto ones that I did. And then I had the estate of Joan B. Quinn, the online documentation of their court case. So that is the wrongful death of Andre Jones. It is solved but not solved. As the podcast Unresolved says, it is incredibly unresolved. And I feel we should talk about it more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Damn. Yeah, I can't believe I knew we were gonna go so long on this one. I, I knew it. Is this long? It's an hour and forty three minutes in. Woo! That's kind of what I buckled up for. Oh, our first one was like an hour. Yeah, but I mean, but this had a lot of information, and I mean, like, there is so much to talk about in it. Dear listeners, thank you if you have made it this far into the episode. You're great. You're amazing. We and love you. We Well, yes, we love you, but also I hope your emotions <laughs> are okay. Um, yeah, check in with Do something kind for yourself outside yeah. of this. Like, go, like, have some Ben and Jerry's ice cream because they donate to Black Lives Matter. And yeah. go for a walk with a mask. Yeah. Pet a dog. Hug yourself. Play around to Tetris. Tetris is so relaxing. Um, yeah. But... Any closing thoughts, guys? Um, fuck the police. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I fuck the police. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Don't donate to the police ever. They have too much money. Um, support defunding the police and spreading out the funds of the police between mental health care, social work, everything like that. And do not let people who shouldn't be in power be in power vote go vote yes go, go vote vote mm-hmm. <laughs> vote because that's vote, what i think vote, earlier vote, what vote. alex was saying um about like about the, the until the people in power like don't want to do this or like want to yeah. like have a change of heart or whatever and i think the answer is changing the people in power mm-hmm. so that Absolutely. they can then dismantle the system that's in place it's insane the like percentage of people who don't vote in local elections and those are the ones who actually direct like directly affect your life and knowing right. what but of course it's so hard in our like daily lives to understand everything there is about local politics and so finding a reputable source to explain things digestibly is very difficult that is a void that does need to be filled i'm sure someone will it's not me she says it may be her one day. Um, perhaps, perhaps. Little did she know it was in fact her. <laughs> Your hero Plot origin twist. is now. Oh my gosh, I love how you say hero origin, but I feel like I'm a total villain. That could work too. That's just your Slytherin showing, but <laughs> he knows. He knows. Aww. That Slytherin shows so hard. Um, but yeah, so. If the family of Andre Jones ever hears this, um, I hope we did him justice. We support all of the movements that you did. And we support you. And we hope that one day this does come to a satisfying close. Because your son does deserve 
that respect. And he was wrongfully taken from this earth too soon. So with that, you guys ready to sign off? Let's do it. Let's do it. So this has been, let's talk about the facts. And we have done so. These facts have been discussed. I'm Elizabeth Fury. I'm Alex Brown. And I'm Von Dexter Montague II. The Count of Dogs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Bye. This podcast was surprisingly produced by me. Original music by Miranda Miller. You can find us both on Twitter and Instagram at TalkAboutFacts. That's T-A-L-K-A-B-T-F-A-C-T-S. Or email recommendations to ltatfpodcast at gmail.com. Stay safe out there, friends.